Breaking right now, we have gotten word that Hunter Biden had quite a deal going. Hunter Biden got to spend a couple of weeks at the White House just before the 4th of July, rent-free, right after he did that plea deal. What was that about? And why didn't anyone there at the White House know about it? Meanwhile, just happens to coincide, shall we say, with that uh, bus that the Secret Service had for the, uh, well the illegal substance that was found there in the White House. I mean, this story just keeps growing and growing and growing. And I got to tell you, Comer's got to get those records from the National Archives really fast. We're all over it. Plus, oh, Kid Rock. What's going on with Kid Rock? Kid Rock apparently was spotted drinking something he shouldn't, like a Bud Light in Nashville. The other day, we're, we're going to talk about that. We got a lot to get into, including... Uh, including the latest on Donald Trump and Fox News and Tucker Carlson, because Trump is saying, no way, I'm not being part of your little debate in Milwaukee after all. I'm going to do something different. Hello, welcome to the program, everyone. Great to see you. Great to have you here. As always, we are brought to you by LegacyPMInvestments.com, 1-866-589-0560. If you're looking at investing in gold or silver, make sure you Give them a ring or go to their website, one 589 But this is just unbelievable. Again, breaking news here on the Trish Regan Show. If you haven't subscribed, do me that favor. Make sure you subscribe. We are live on YouTube right now. We are live on Facebook. And, of course, it's always there on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. Hunter Biden was hanging out in the White House rent-free on, what, the taxpayer dime? Just after that plea deal was completed, remember the one, it's now defunct, like it's not happening. But remember, he was working with David Weiss, or well, his attorneys were working with David Weiss to come to some kind of an agreement. And they came to that agreement that nobody was really too fond of. We'll talk a little bit more about that. Thank goodness for the judge who said, wait a second, I can't sign off on this. And then Hunter, like, took a little vacation, I guess. Went with his family over to his dad's residence, and no one said a thing. So it was totally secret. Biden's staff had no idea that Hunter Biden was there, which is kind of, oh, I don't know, a little bit interesting in that it, it, it happened to coincide with the exact same time they found the illegal substance there in the White House and reporters started asking questions. And Corinne Jean-Pierre, the spokesperson, really didn't have any answers, remember? Well, maybe it would have helped if she had just sort of known who was hanging out there at the time. Maybe it would have helped Secret Service to have known who happened to be hanging out in the White House at the time that they found these drugs on the premises. Here we go. Uh, where, uh, where this was discovered uh, is a heavily traveled area where many White House uh, West Wing, I should be even more specific, uh, West Wing visitors uh, come through uh, this particular area. And then just a quick follow-up on this, this type of tour. Can you explain to the American people who would have access to the West Wing on this type of tour and what kind of protocols are in place? So, look, when it comes to uh, security protocol, that's something that the Secret Service certainly is going to handle, and so that is a question for them. Uh, when it comes to... When it comes to visitors to the West Wing, uh, they come for many reasons. Uh, obviously, we do have uh, West Wing tours that, that occur here uh, on campus. Uh, they happen in this particular past uh, couple of days. They happen on Friday. They happen on Saturday uh, and Sunday. The times that they do not happen is when there's a federal holiday, like yesterday. There was not uh, a West Wing tour. Uh, and also when there's a, white, a, a large White House uh, event. 
Wow. All right. So um, she didn't know. I guess we can give her that. But why didn't the staff know? I mean, when they were doing this investigation into why this substance was there, like, wouldn't it have been maybe helpful to know, have a full accounting of who was actually there? I, I certainly hope the Secret Service knew. Anyway, this all came out thanks to the Washington Post, which framed it differently than perhaps I would. <laughs> they were trying to say how great it is that the two guys have such a cozy relationship. Here's the Washington Post story. Hunter Biden stays close to his father during this whole criminal probe. Isn't that great? You know, he's so close to his dad that he gets to go and hang out there at the White House. And can you imagine this? I mean, it looked so bad, so bad when he was at the state dinner for the Indian prime minister just after he got this plea deal where he admitted, well, I mean, he was ready to admit that he had been evading taxes, that he had not been paying his darn taxes. And then there was the whole gun charge, et cetera. We're going to get into it a little bit more. But I don't want you to forget this right here. First of all, my son's done nothing wrong. I trust him. I have faith in him. And it impacts my presidency by making me feel proud. Yeah, real proud. So proud that he invites him to the White House. They get to hang out after he does that plea deal. And proud enough that he drags him out to the state dinner. Hunter Biden mingling with the crowd as a guest of his father and Jill Biden, the first lady as well there. He's greeting NASA administrator Bill Nelson and others there. And this is the first on-camera public appearance we have seen of him since he was charged, just Agreed to. agreed to, rather, the, the plea deal. <laughs> I mean, the reporter, as he's narrating this, seems kind of stunned, right? The guy just did a plea deal, and there he is, like, hanging out, rubbing elbows with the elite of the elite, the creme to the creme there, for the White House's state dinner with the Indian prime minister. Amid all these allegations that, you know, he's sort of a pay-to-play kind of guy, everybody thought, well, hey, you know, maybe he ought to just sit that state dinner out But why would he? Why would he when he was hanging out with dad at the White House for a couple of weeks? Like I said, rent free. And now you got to ask the question, (laughs) don't you think it's kind of relevant that he was there at the time and that they found some substances on the premises? I mean, like, you know, one plus one usually equals two. And I'm not I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying it's worth talking about. And why is it that they, they try to hide everything from us? continually hide. And we just have to hear about how proud Joe is of his son. So proud that he's bringing him in for vacation. I'll tell you, James Comer, he's been all over this. He's running the House committee that's looking into the ethical violations that, I don't know, like, just don't don't sit right. You know, you hear about this and, and you hear about the $11 million that NBC News reported that James Comer has now come forward and he's shown some documentation. We've seen the 170 SARS suspicious activity reports, for example, from Treasury, NBC News, as I said, reporting that between 2013 and 2018, Hunter Biden got $11 million and spent it fast. The companies that Hunter was running. And so the question now becomes, is there anything else there? Is there more there? Well, I'll tell you, this is pretty interesting. 
Comer's going to the National Archives and he's saying, okay, I want more information here because when you look at these emails that were going back and forth, we haven't seen the full scope of it. I'd like to see some of the more personal emails that Hunter may have been CC'd on or included on, including that big address that the VP was going to give to Ukraine at the time. So this is one of the articles out, you see the New York Post, where they say emails previously released by the archives and retrieved from Hunter Biden's abandoned laptop reveal that Joe Biden used the email address Robert L. Peters, remember that name, Robert L. Peters, at PCI.gov. This is while he was President Barack Obama's second-in-command and that his aide, John Flynn, cc'd Hunter on 10 emails containing the elder Biden's daily schedule between May 18th and June 15th, 2016. Mr. Comer's request covers records using Biden's other known pseudonyms, including Robin Ware and J.R.B. Ware, and makes some point of requests for certain documents, such as drafts of Biden's December 2015 speech to Ukraine's folks over there. I mean, wow. And here's what's really weird. So we were looking at this Robert L. Peters at PCI.gov. What the heck is PCI.gov? PCI.gov. So, so we're searching, right? me and my team, and we're like, okay, online, you try it. Go and type in PCI.gov and see what comes up. Nothing. Nothing. The server, like, doesn't exist. So it seems, it seems anyway, that PCI.gov might have been some kind of private server. I mean, hey, at least he was a step ahead of Hillary. <laughs> Question is, did anybody bleach it? Or shouldn't this be part of those National Archive records? Again, we did some more diligence here, and it seems when you look this up, PCI.gov seems to be, like I said, a government server. So those emails that were going back and forth between a, what was that clever name? Robert L. Peters or J.R.B. Ware or Robin Ware. Those emails are the property of the United States and the American citizens. And thus, we ought to be able to get our hands on them. So this is important. I think Comer's working on it, but the National Archives needs to come forward with all these emails. It's critical right now because I think people really want to know what exactly was the extent of Joe Biden's relationship with his son vis-a-vis China, vis-a-vis Romania, vis-a-vis Ukraine. Think of the money that's being spent in Ukraine right now. We had a professor on the show just the other day from Northeastern University, Max Abrams, who specializes in uh, tracking money all across the globe and specializes in political science. And what he said was, it's entirely possible, a whole lot more possible than that Trump dossier. It's entirely possible that there is a Ukraine dossier on Joe Biden because they know that he was somewhat compromised because his son was getting the payouts. And it may have been, according to Max Abrams and some others, more than that $83,000 a month. Anyway, this is what they wanted to go away, remember? This is why he was vacationing at dad's at the White House and going to the state dinner and who knows what else, right? (laughs) Really. In the days following that plea deal that's now defunct. So this was the plea agreement. And buried in that plea agreement was the inability of government to go after Hunter Biden in the future 
for illegal foreign lobbying. Illegal foreign lobbying is a huge charge. It's a big charge. Billionaire uh, Tom Barrick out on the West Coast got charged with this. It was a big deal. Believe me, he didn't need the money. Not the way Hunter did. Not the way possibly, possibly Joe Biden did. Anyway, the problem, of course, with it all is that people worry logically so they're just going to get swept, swept under the rug. I mean, hey, Hunter was hanging out in the White House. There were those reports of illegal substances being found, cocaine in the White House, and yet, and yet, no one told us that Hunter was there at the time. The staff for Joe Biden didn't even know that Hunter was there at the time. I mean, this is relevant information, is it not? Like, if you want to connect the dots just a little bit, maybe it would have been helpful for people to know that. But no, 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 because, you know, he's, he's proud, proud of the kid. I'm very proud of my son. Really proud, really proud, you know, the kid that evades taxes while you're, you know, you're, it's unbelievable to me. I mean, your dad's the vice president. He's going to be running for president. He's been in politics for 50 years. You're most of your life, right, Hunter? Because you're, I think, 53. I love when they call him a kid. He's not a kid. Like, this, this guy has been around a long time, and he should know better. So how are you proud of your son when, it, you know, the very, very least of the, his problems was tax evasion. Bigger problems might include the illegal foreign lobbying, which might have tied up dad. So you can understand, you can understand why they're just looking to get this done and over with. Why David Weiss now was appointed special counsel. Let me just tell you, David Weiss can't be special counsel. Legally, like legally. And someone's got to go after this hard in Washington because David Weiss was already the prosecutor. In Delaware, he was already investigating this case. Therefore, he works for the U.S. government. And it needs to be by the books, somebody outside of the government. I mean, he could have used to work for the government, but now you can't have somebody who's actually working in the government because you need this separation between church and state. So one reporter dared, dared to ask Joe Biden about this very issue today, very gingerly. He asked him some bigger, broader question and then said this. I want you to hear the president's response. If you'll indulge me, Mr. President, on a... um domestic matter. Um, what is your reaction to the special counsel appointment uh, last week into your son? Thank you. <laughs> well, first of all, look, there's not much, if anything, I agree on with my predecessor on foreign policy. His America first policy, walking away from the rest of the world, has made us weaker, not stronger. America's strong with our allies and our alliances, and that's why we will endure. And it's a strength that, uh, quite frankly, uh, uh, that uh, increases all or three of our strengths. This is just about one summit. What makes today's different is it actually launching a series of initiatives that are actually uh, institutional changes in how we deal with one another. And security cooperation, economic cooperation, technology cooperation, development cooperation, consultation exercises. And all of this will create uh, our own momentum, I believe, year by year, month by month, to make the relationship stronger and more certain okay. to remain okay. be in place. And uh, with regard on these result, results, I What about think the elephant in the room? 
keep it going, and I think they're going to benefit all our countries. And uh, with regard to a uh, second question, uh, I make I have no comment on any investigation that's going on. That's up to the Justice Department, and uh, that's all I have to say. <laughs> wait, wait! You didn't want to tell us you're proud of your son again? What happened? You know, he usually says, "I'm proud of my son." And they want to make this just about, okay, the Republicans are picking on his son. I'm sorry, but, like, none of this looks good. And it's like every day, some little drip or drab. Now we learn, you know, when they had the illegal substance found at the White House, it just happened to be that Hunter Biden was staying there. I mean, come on. Like, they keep trying to hide stuff, and it doesn't fly. Like, it just doesn't pass the you-know-what test. Um, Let's see. David Weiss, he can't be the special counsel. He can't. They've got to find someone outside. I mean, it's just legally, it's not allowed. So they're trying to basically work the system, I believe, to benefit them, which is what they do. And we're going to talk about that more in a moment vis-a-vis Trump, vis-a-vis Hillary. But before we do, did you hear what Kid Rock did? I mean, this is really kind of, I I don't know what to make of this. I really don't know what to make of this. And I don't think this is good for Kid Rock's reputation. I don't think this is good, period. We know the whole Bud Light story. You know the Dylan Mulvaney thing. You know what happened in response with Kid Rock, right? If if you don't, or if you just want to see it again, because it's pretty pretty decent footage to see, I'll show you. <laughs> Grandpa's feeling a little frisky today. Let me uh, say something to all you and be as clear and concise as possible. Blood light, Anheuser-Busch. Have a terrific day. All right. All right, all right. So, so he had a point of view, a very definite point of view. And it was um, very dramatic. And this is a video that went totally viral, remember? So you can imagine my surprise, I imagine you're going to be surprised too, when pictures emerged of Kid Rock in Nashville with what in his hand? Take a look. Okay, so he's at a concert there. That sure looks like a Bud Light to me. Here's another picture. Again, these showed up on Twitter and show the story. It's like a headline in Daily Mail. They're reporting that Kid Rock... Apparently he's still drinking Bud Light. I mean, I don't know. I'm wondering what this was really about. I mean, he's got to know that he's kind of a big deal. And when you go to a concert and you're Kid Rock in Nashville, you are kind of like watched, right? People have cameras these days and you're super public. And you had that super public viral video that everyone saw. So might you not think that even if you do like Bud Light secretly, and you're still going to drink it secretly, even though you're really angry at the company? Might you think, hey, I'm not going to drink it out in public? Like, what? Ha- unless, unless, okay, unless, could this have been a plant? Might just offer that up. I mean, this is a desperate company. Keep in mind, they have lost $40 billion in overall stock value. Shareholders have lost $40 billion in market cap there for ticker symbol BUD, Bud. Ever since the whole Dylan Mulvaney thing unfolded, 
And Budweiser as a whole now is really struggling. They lost $395 million in terms of their sales. They were down $395 million in the last quarter with the whole, you know, get woke and go broke theme really kicking into action. We've seen it at Disney. We've seen it at Target. And so might they have struck a deal? You kind of wonder. Because I think Kid Rock's a pretty smart guy. And I can't imagine that he just willingly went to such a public place and drank a Bud Light. Like, I don't know what he's thinking, unless they just paid him like a hundred million bucks. I don't know. Like if you're that company and you just want this to go away, would you actually do a deal where you pay Kid Rock or some of these other big personalities that have criticized you to uh, very quietly sort of make a transition? (laughs) I, I hope not. I hope not. But that's just the cynic in me, I guess. I was surprised by that picture for sure. Disappointed. For sure, because I just think you got to stand for something and you need to consistently stand for something. You should be open, of course. I'm a big believer in hearing all sides. You know that. But if you feel so strongly about something, as Kid Rock clearly did, then you don't then go out and start drinking it. Per this picture on Twitter, courtesy of Daily Mail coming to us through them, you don't drink the enemy, so to speak. All right, speaking of uh, the enemy, <laughs> let's talk about Fox News, shall we? Uh, Fox News is having a big debate. I think it's uh, late August, August 23rd, actually, it's coming up, in Milwaukee, and they've invited all the GOP presidential candidates. And obviously, the one that's leading the pack by a long shot is someone that you kind of would need to have there if you're going to have a GOP primary debate. Now, I've anchored GOP primary debates for Fox Business. They're in Milwaukee, actually. So I'm I'm familiar with the venue. I'm familiar with the setup to this. I'm familiar with the need to have all the candidates there. And so Donald Trump's like, well, why would I do this? Like, (laughs) Rupert Murdoch doesn't exactly like me very much. And, uh, you know, why am I why am I going to do a favor for Fox News. By the way, I'm way out in front, so who even needs to do a debate? I mean, it's, it's, quite, it's quite clear that he, he doesn't need to do one, just like, well, Biden doesn't really need to debate RFK, right? Why would you? You're clearly the guy who's running. I think if the Democrats were smart, they'd primary Joe Biden, but they're not smart, and they're going to keep him running, and so their only, their only course of action is to try to somehow take down Trump, make sure that he's, <laughs> I don't know, tied up with legal issue after legal issue after legal issue or possibly in jail. Anyway, so he's like, you know what? I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm going to sit down with Tucker instead, which I think is kind of a brilliant move. And it's a, it's a gamble. It's a gamble for even, even Trump, because I'll tell you, Tucker takes no prisoners. I mean, uh, Mike Pence, great example, right? Mike Pence is a very difficult facade to break. I've interviewed him many times. He has all his talking points. He's got those down. He's a former radio host. He like knows the media business. He's like, hey, okay, you're not going to detour me away from what I want to talk about. But there was this little incident recently. The Blaze had this big conference. Tucker was brought in. He interviewed Mike Pence on stage. And while well, the rest is uh, Mike Pence's career history, watch. I'm sorry, Mr. Vice President. Have you, I know you're running for president. You are are distressed that the Ukrainians don't have enough American tanks. Every city in the United States has become much worse 
over the past three years. Yeah. Drive around. There's not one city that's gotten better in the United States. Right. And it's visible. Our economy has degraded. The suicide rate has jumped. Public filth and disorder and crime have exponentially increased. Right. And yet... Your concern is that the Ukrainians, a country most people can't find on a map, who've received tens of billions of U.S. tax dollars, don't have enough tanks. Right. I think it's a fair question to ask, like, where's the concern for the United States in that? Well, it's not my concern. <laughs> Tucker, I've heard that routine from you before, but that's not my concern. He just doubled down. It's not my concern. And I've heard that from you before, and it's not my concern. Excuse me. Like, it's not your concern. You're running for president of the United States. Did he not hear a darn thing that Tucker said? It's not your concern that people are struggling economically. It's not your concern that we have such a, a massive increase in crime. I- I'm sorry. Like, what was that about? So I credit Tucker with completely breaking the facade of Mike Pence in that, you know, I wish Mike Pence well. This isn't about that. It's about, I mean, I can't believe he said that. And I don't think he really believes that. But he was so flustered because of what was going on there. And so it shows you, I mean, all bets are off, right? So Trump's going to sit down with Tucker. My advice, my advice to them is to do it on the exact same night at the exact same time as Fox News, right? Because, uh, Revenge is sweet, as they say. As they say. Anyway, he is asking the former president of the United States to have his court dates moved. He'd like them pushed out to 2026 because, well, hey, the guy's running for president. And he's saying this is not right. You know what? You're trying to manipulate the election because I won't be able to campaign. And he might have a point. I mean, I want to point out, you know, the establishment doesn't want him. You know, Fox News, Rupert Murdoch, you know, so many of the sort of big money donors within the Republican Party don't want him. Certainly the Democrats. We know they don't want him. But what's incredible is how because they all don't want him, they're willing to really sort of extend the scope of the law. And when I say extend, I mean, they really they're getting broader and broader and broader. And Fannie Willis down there in Fulton County, Georgia, is getting really broad with her racketeering charge and going after everyone at a state level, which is pretty, it's like just opening up Pandora's box, really and truly. I'd be very worried if I were Hunter and Joe Biden right now, because who's to say that some DA in another state, in another district that's conservative, is not going to go after them. I mean, they, they started this, so to speak, and I want you to remember, they started it before the election, I was astonished when I saw this clip of Hillary Clinton in August of 2020. Remember, the election was not till November. Here's Hillary. I've played it for you before, but I'm going to play it again. I'm going to keep on playing it because I don't want you to forget this. Not for one second. What she was saying about the election before it even happened. Watch. You know, Joe Biden should not concede under any circumstances because I think this is going to drag out. And eventually, I do believe he will win if we don't give an inch. You don't give an inch? Are you kidding me? But, you know, Alan Dershowitz, who has been very outspoken on this issue, the Harvard Law professor, who actually was looking for those hanging chads back in Florida for Al Gore, you know, working, working for the Democrats. He's a lifelong Democrat. He, he even voted for Biden. And he told me just the other day he thinks he may still vote for Biden, but it doesn't change the Constitution. In other words, 
what they are doing in terms of expanding the scope of the law to go after Trump and after him and get him, and that's what they want to do, is really pretty bizarre. You don't think you have the right to say, hey, I'd like to check those votes, just like Hillary Clinton was completely, totally willing to do, just like Al Gore was there doing with Alan Dershowitz in Florida. Just like, by the way, the Democrats were perfectly fine with Stacey Abrams when she said she wasn't going to concede that Georgia race for governor. I mean, somehow it's totally okay for one side to say, hey, you know, we don't think this is right, but it's not okay if Donald Trump does it. That, to me, is fundamentally a problem. Now, like I'm a realist and Donald Trump hasn't always done himself any favors, right? You know, he apparently there's some book out, some excerpt where he's caught on tape saying that he didn't think he had won, but, you know, he wanted the votes anyway. I don't have the perfect quote. Um, but nonetheless, I'm going to step back for a second because if we were to say that politicians were in the business of always telling the truth no matter what, oh, I don't think you'd have any politicians, period. And so whether it's the federal case where they're sort of saying, hey, you know, you can't lie, and you can't go and do this if, if, if you really know that. I mean, it's pretty wild. Or in this Georgia case where you can't even send a retweet, you can't even you know, ask these questions, that's, you can't take a meeting, that's pushing it. But they want to control the narrative and they don't want him there. And so January 6th plays into all of this. Keep in mind, I had not totally realized this until recently. And I talked about it last week. I think it's worth addressing again. I, I, I'm disturbed that the footage that we all saw in the January 6th hearings came from one particular source. Now, I might say, you know, oh, it was ABC News or CNN. Well, you know, they have their own biases, et cetera. But this is like beyond the normal liberal media bias. This is like the Speaker of the House was shooting the whole thing herself. She brought in her daughter. So Nancy Pelosi, knowing that they're going to have this big thing going on and having been informed by multiple people in the intelligence community that this was going to be a big, big deal on January 6th, Nancy Pelosi doesn't invite NBC News or ABC News or her friends over at CNN in for an exclusive look at things. Instead, she invites her daughter, her daughter, Alexandra Pelosi, who happens to be a filmmaker, so we can give her that, and who happened to be working on something for HBO. And this was the video we saw. I want you to listen. Never before seen footage. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi shown fleeing the U.S. Capitol as it was under attack on January 6th. The videos captured by her daughter, Alexandra Pelosi, a documentary filmmaker. We have got to finish the proceedings or else we're going to have to come She provided some of her footage to the January 6th Select Committee, who played clips in their hearing Thursday. So, <laughs> does anybody else kind of find that a little weird? I mean, we heard about it there on CNN, who billed it as a CNN exclusive. I, I don't know how exclusive it was, guys, considering that Alexandra Pelosi was shooting it for HBO and apparently for the January 6th committee. So it, it wasn't just there. I mean, th this is the footage that ran everywhere. This is when it first initially came out. So I credit CNN with at least telling us where it came from. I don't know as they did that every time. And also ABC News, who ran this. Nobody comes, I'm going to punch him out. I'm waiting for this. 
for trespassing on the Capitol grounds. I want to punch him out, and I'm going to go to jail, and I'm going to be happy. The footage was shot by filmmaker Alexandra Pelosi, the speaker's daughter, for an HBO documentary. She was with her mother as she fled the Capitol. Are you caught? Yes, yes, ma'am. We have got to get finished the proceedings. Later, she can be heard checking in with Vice President Mike Mike Pence. Okay, so I, I'm sorry, but <laughs> it's a documentary filmmaker. So basically, Nancy Pelosi has her daughter in there shooting all this footage. Nancy's like posing for the camera in one shot. You know, maybe it was that one where she's like, oh, I want to punch him out. And like the makeup artist or the handler, whoever is trying to fix some pin on her lapel. I mean, really, really. Again, like, I'm, I just, I, I think that you need to give Americans the benefit of the doubt there and at least bring in a news organization, not your daughter. Just like I would just say, you know what, Joe Biden, not okay. Not okay to bring your son, your son to the state dinner just a day after he's got some now defunct plea deal where people have been and are worried about him and his international lobbying. I mean, it's just ridiculous. It's just not right. And it smacks of, frankly, I was going to say nepotism, but it's so much more than that. It smacks of corruption. And Americans feel like they just don't want to tell us the truth. I mean, I don't think they do. I think they want to narrate everything and quite literally orchestrate it, film it, and show us this is what's going on. Now, I'm not disputing anything. I'm only asking a question here. I'm asking the question, why did we have to rely on Nancy Pelosi's daughter's footage? Really? Anyway, they, they, they want to manipulate everything, just like they're sitting there telling us, Oh, the economy is doing great. You know, this Bidenomic stuff, it's just perfect. Like, hey, you know, inflation's coming down, even though it went up two-tenths of a percent last month, even though it's still up in real terms about 16% from the time he came into office. It's the reason why you need to think about your money. It's the reason why you need to think about inflation in your portfolio. It's the reason why you need to think about diversification. If you are looking at gold, for example, as a possible way of helping to diversify your portfolio and <laughs> sort of protect against Armageddon, I would encourage you to call my friends over at LegacyPMInvestments.com, 1-866-589-0560. You're, of course, welcome to use my name. I know them very well. First sponsor on this show, by the way, Charles was on. I'm going to actually release that interview over the weekend for you to see, and I'll play some clips from it. He has a very good grasp on what's going on from a macroeconomic standpoint. And it's it's a good one for you to listen to. It's a good one for you to hear. And look, the reality is they are trying to control everything. They are trying to control this narrative. They're trying to control what we think, how we react. And you know what? It's not working. It's not working and it's never going to work because Americans see through all of it. And now the latest, as I said, if you were just joining us on the live program, we have learned, of course, that Hunter Biden was hanging out in the White House for two solid weeks following that plea deal that I, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm just calling a spade a spade here. It feels like it was very orchestrated, very, very set up. Do not forget, ladies and gentlemen, do not forget that there were 170 suspicious activity reports, according to U.S. Treasury, that were filed about Biden's companies. That's a lot. Like any suspicious activity report is a whole lot, but 170 of them? That's that's a ton. And J.P. Morgan, Bank of America, there were like six major U.S. banks involved in this that were filing these reports. 
they don't want to have to file things like this. They have all these rules about know thy customer and they're supposed to be like really vigilant about knowing their customer. But when there's money coming in from elite, dare I say, foreign, possibly illegal sources, foreign sources, well, the banks have to say, gee, you know, maybe this isn't looking right. And so two whistleblowers came forward, neither of whom were terribly political. I believe they were actually Democrats. They came forward and said this wasn't right that they weren't being allowed, that David Weiss wasn't being allowed to prosecute this at the level that he should have been able to go after Hunter Biden for. And there's new information as well that suggests the inauguration committee had something to do with this. There's a report that that, that gels with what one of the whistleblowers was saying, that they were not able to interview Hunter Biden the way they would anybody else because the committee for the transition, right, the transition committee came in and said, no, no, not happening. So the government doesn't want this released, I think, for obvious reasons. Nobody wants to think their country's for sale. Nobody wants to hear about the president's son doing deals in the back room. But you know what? We've already heard about it. At this point, we just need to know the truth. And the quicker that truth gets out, the better I think everybody will feel because, you know, what, this country is not for sale. I know it feels like we're a banana republic. We're lucky. Like, we are very lucky in this country because we have been the hegemonic power since the end of World War II. And, you know, you, you go into the dance here and it's like, well, where else? Where else do you go? Like, who else is in charge? China would like to be in charge, I think, very much. And China may one day be in charge at this rate. But... At present, it's still just the U.S. So here we are acting like a full-scale banana republic, but we have this saving grace that we are sort of the policemen of the world, so to speak, and that we are the one place that everybody wants to continue investing in. Thanks to our capitalist economic policies, which totally are in jeopardy these days under these clowns that are running things. So we have a lot of problems. We have a lot of problems. And it's high time that people admit them. I'm sick of hearing this. First of all, my son's done nothing wrong. I trust him. I have faith in him. And it impacts my presidency by making me feel proud of him. Yeah. And that's why you invited him to have a little vacation at your house, I guess. I'm sorry. I don't know how you can be proud of the kid that keeps dodging the taxes. I don't know how you can trust your son, when, I mean, I hate to bring this up, but after his brother passed away, took up with his brother's widow. I mean, I, I'm sorry. That's kind of just like the, the elephant in the room, which says, I don't think he has very good judgment. I don't think I can really trust him. I don't think I'm really proud of this behavior. That's how a normal father would and should react. Anyway, as I said, we are here on a live show. Great to see so many of you back with me. I thank you for being here. If you have not subscribed, do me that favor. Leslie, I see lots of familiar names here. I I see you're weighing in on the chat. If you have some thoughts as well, put them in the comments. Share this. We're going to be out with clips very shortly. Go over to Apple Podcasts. Make sure that you subscribe to the podcast, Trish Regan Show, right there on Apple, Spotify as well. And if you're really feeling generous, you will go ahead and give it five stars and a little review. I read them all. Just remember that. I read these comments too. So anyway, great to see you all. We will continue the conversation over the weekend. There is a lot here, a lot, and I'm relentless. You know that. So we're going to get into all of it. Believe me. I'll see you soon.